Thanks for joining DMZ America, the podcast. I'm Ted Rawl, coming to you from the left, and I'm joined here by... Scott Stantis from the right. How's it going, Ted? It's going well, Scott. How are you doing? I'm okay. You have a, you've been fighting like a cold, which, by the way, in this age of COVID, oxycodone, and morbidity, <laughs> or whatever the hell it's called. What's it? What's Omicron. Omicron. I, I am Omicron. No, I think it sounds like he was the third president of the Second Republic in France. Oh, my crown. I am Francois Macron. Oh, my crown. Uh, no, I, I, I have not been fighting a cold. Uh, I fought the cold and the cold one, uh, as, <laughs> as, as Bobby Fuller would say. And the, then later the clash uh, better, but not better, just differently, but equally well. Um, yeah, no, it's, it became bronchitis. Uh, I'm now on day five of the z Pack. And believe it or not, this is me sounding better. Really? Than before. Wow, you, you sound a yeah, little stuffy. There's a nasty cold going around. Uh, you know, I would recommend everyone. You know, if you're offered this cold, uh, you might want to just say no to be. You know, don't don't feel like you have to take it to be polite uh, or cruel with the kids. The kids, you know. Yeah, and, and don't don't take any Omicron. Or <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, first up, as uh, previously agreed uh, by the uh, DNC and the RNC, just kidding, uh, is the latest uh, mass shooting. Um, by some accounts, they happen every day, but the ones that make the news are the ones that happen in workplaces and schools. Uh, a 15-year-old sophomore uh, killed three students, or we should say allegedly killed three students, including a 16-year-old boy. Uh, in Oxford High School, located in Oxford Township, a small town, 22,000 people, about 30 miles north of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, the, um, the, the, the motive is, is uh, at this stage, at this uh, recording, is yet, as yet unknown. But obviously the big topic now is, you know, what, if anything, can or will ever be done to try to rein in America's ever out of control, ongoing spasm of relentless, crazy gun violence. Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned something earlier. I mean, from what I've been hearing, I mean, this this whole story just seems weird to me, and I, it's, my my journalistic spider sense is tingling at this. This one seems strange. First of all, Dad buys the kid what four days ago, a nine millimeter pistol. Oh, it was only four days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but that doesn't mean there's, I mean, you know, the, the, so it doesn't, I mean, that, are you implying that the dad bought the, said like, hey, you might, well, son, you might want to go sh- shooting up a school or is it more just like as no, soon I as the kid got the gun, he went and shot up the school, which is something he wanted to do. The school sounds anyway. weird because you were just reading the story just before we started. <laughs> Ed, would you please read that headline again? I, I will. Undersheriff, who doesn't want to be an undersheriff? Undersheriff Mike McCabe downplayed the significance of an incident in early November when a deer head was thrown off the school roof, which he said was absolutely unrelated to the shooting. Now, obviously, if it had been a deer ass or a deer (laughs) tail, that would have been closely related to the shooting. Very related. You almost, yeah, undeniable. I, from what the reports coming out right now are, is that from that area, from that school, is that bullying was rampant. I mean, it was so bad. Parents were keeping kids out of school. I mean, it was so, you know, that's what, and clearly, or at least. Shades of Columbine, or at least shades of what we thought happened at Columbine. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously people, kids who are batshit crazy and, you know, and how do you, how do you, how do you fix that in America, Ted? You buy him a gun. Well, you know, they say there are, uh, you know, the only thing that can stop a bad uh, student school, high school student with a gun is a even worse high school student with a gun. <laughs> you know, I, I, but with, I, that, I, with better aim and, and quicker draw. Yeah, the uh, fourth victim passed away earlier uh, in the after this afternoon. As we're recording this, it is. Mm. Uh, by the way, as we're recording this, it is the first of December. Um, I mean, we don't know much about it. I don't, here's what's weird to me, Ted. I don't understand. I grew up, in, and I, I imagine you had the same experience growing up in Dayton. Um, I went to junior high and high school in Madison, Wisconsin. Deer season comes along, and a bunch of the kids 
grew up in houses that hunted. So they went out hunting very early in the morning and came to school in camo and with guns in their cars. That's absolutely true. Uh, that was true at, at my high school as well. I also served mass and we had a what we called the deer hunter mass, which I don't remember. It was really damn early, like six uh, or five or something. I think it was five. And, you know, it's like, I guess this was like, you know, if you serve this mass, the priest promises not to rape you. So anyway, <laughs> oh, or maybe I was just too yeah. ugly. I didn't draw. I didn't attract attention. I was too. But anyway, whatever. Um, the uh, I used to serve. I served that mass a few times, and it was the same thing. They were like, it was weird. Uh, you know, these hunters who are about to like. You know, I, I need to check in with God before I go and blow away one of His most beautiful creatures in the forest. Before I kill Bambi's mom, I need. I need. A, I need just. A blessing. Yeah. yeah. I never, but I can tell you, and I'm not sure, I can't speak for you, Ted, but I can speak for myself. I never felt any danger from these guys. I mean, at all. No, no, me neither. No, no. They were, so, these were people who were, you know, they were in control of it. So they, what the hell happened? What the hell happened? I mean, the only thing that's changed from now, from then to today, A, more guns, more handguns, more powerful guns. But more well, that's than not that, a, that's not an only thing. I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, Look, mass shootings, um, you know, it's an interesting thing. They go, I mean, you know, you're old enough to remember the Texas uh, Watchtower shootings. Oh, yeah. And so, vaguely, I was only six. But. I mean, I, I was like three, but but the point is that was part of our consciousness growing up. Um, there was a, a song about it, as I recall. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, school sh mass shootings in schools in particular go back to the frontier. There were pissed off kids who walked into one room schoolhouses K through 12 uh, in the old West in the 19th century and killed as many kids as they could. But the body count, I mean, first of all, we weren't aware of it as much because those were local stories. We don't, we have national news that, you know, if, if a fire happens in Madison, Wisconsin, it's on, it can be on national news immediately now. Um, you know, whereas you could have like a crazy serial killer be a local story that never made it nationally you know, even 50 years ago. Uh, and so we're, we know more about it, but also the body counts are higher because, you know, AR-15s can take out a lot more people. The body counts are higher when it does happen. But I think the point is people have been snapping for a long time. Um, I think the firepower is just, it's its too high. The, you know, the, the, the calibers are too damn high. I think, you know, look, nobody really needs an AR-15 at all. I mean, what for? You don't need it for hunting. You don't need it for home defense um, unless someone's coming after you with an AR-15. Uh, did you not see Red Dawn, Ted? I did see Red Dawn several times. I, I, I grew up in the Reagan years. Wolverine! <laughs> no, I mean, it's true that like if uh, the US were invaded by Russians in that case or whoever, one would want to have, uh, you know, heavy artillery, but it's like not a, um, I mean, look, here's the question with last time I checked, there were eight guns for every man, woman, and child in the U S it's probably more now. Um, what do we do? I mean, one out of three Americans owns a gun. Realistically, yeah. we are not going to, uh, ban them. And even, and we shouldn't really, cause we, we don't want to go door to door and break down everyone's door and 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 confiscate their guns and search for them i mean it's that's just going to create another like a worse situation so you know what's the answer i mean i think the answer is uh licensing um it's the, uh, the second amendment would have to be amended and i don't think it's realistic but you should you know if you have to be licensed yeah. to drive a car i don't think it's unreasonable to say that you should be licensed to own a gun yeah, but the gun ownership is explicit in the Constitution, and it was for a reason because we had just broken away from an oppressive government entity that had all the guns, um, defeated them in part with um, militias and, and gun owners. And so that was became part of the culture. I just think the culture has gotten out of hand and bizarre. I mean, I really, I, I don't know. Did you, I mean, when you were growing up, and again, these are two old guys talking here, kids, so sorry, but... Um, I don't remember everyone having a gun. I mean, if someone had a gun, it was bizarre. And it was usually some, 
you know, 70 year old rifle that was all rusted out. Well, <laughs> that's true. There were a lot of shitty old guns, but I do remember going to my friend's houses and being like, Hey, you want to look at my dad's pistol? And then <laughs> taking it out and, you know, it was often loaded. Um, and we'd, we'd look at it and fuck around with it and take the, and load it and unload it. And, uh, you know, and yet here I am and, and they're still around somewhere too. I, I think, um, yeah. I think it's a, I mean, but Scott, it's like, it's kind of like a, a, a solipsism to say, well, you know, we can't change the second amendment because we have the second amendment from 1787. Well, fuck 1787. It's 2021. We need to think about how we want to live now. And we have to have laws. And that includes the Bill of Rights that reflect the way we live now. Yeah, we've talked about this on earlier podcasts where we mentioned, should we rewrite and should we open up the Constitution and have one that's more modern that actually addresses issues as they are today versus, uh, as you said, how they were in the uh, in the 18th century. This is... There's something attitudinal, and you're right. It could just be reporting. Maybe that these numbers are not any more extraordinary than they were back in 1936 or 1880, you know? Um, and We definitely know more. I suspect it's a combination of both. I suspect the numbers are going up and people are becoming crazier, but it's not as much as we think. Well, do you remember the song, The Death of the Lawson Family, you know? They use the melody in uh, uh, Raising Arizona. Mm, I don't and remember the song. It's a, it's a song about, stay with me, kids. This, the, this, the dad loses his mind. They're not sure why. Uh, and, he, and the song is now in the public domain. It's an old song. And he goes and he kills his wife and his kids. And then himself. Well, that's kind of like uh, there's a uh, violent femme song called Country Death Song, uh, which is sort of about sort of about a similar kind of thing and uh not in the public domain so don't copy it at home kids without contacting <laughs> gordon gano but it's a uh but it's kind of you know but like many things violent femmes related it's very cool um I, look i i think it's like we 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 look we have to I don't know. It's, I don't see it happening. And I don't just blame the NRA. I think it's, as we discussed last time with the Constitution, it's almost impossible to amend anything in the Constitution. No one's ever even, I think, credibly tried to amend the Bill of Rights at all. Uh, it certainly has never been done. Um, so, you know, good luck with the Second Amendment. But you just have to wonder, I mean, is this just the price we pay every now and then? Uh, some parents are going to get that call that from, you know, the local police to say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, that kid that you dropped off at school this morning. Oh, right. She's dead because we have, you know, we were because we're too fucking lazy as a society to look at amending the Second Amendment. Sorry, our bad. Yeah. Well, you know, she will be missed. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, I mean, that's literally, that I, just, I just saw the headline. Uh, you know, I did a cartoon one time about thoughts and prayers, like, you know, boilerplate, cut and paste. And I just saw Biden did it again. I mean, fucking our hearts go out to, no, your hearts don't go anywhere. You're, 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 you know, and it's not your heart that we need. We need, we need brains here. And let's not, I mean, you, you touched, you touched on this just when we were starting to talk about this in this, ep, in this segment, but um, Cook County, uh, in Chicago, the home of, of Chicago uh, in Illinois, uh, Cook County just surpassed today a thousand homicides this year. One That's, that is pretty crazy because even in the peak of the 1980s, New York City had about a thousand homicides yeah. per year. It's much lower now, even though there's still a spike in, of gun violence. But New York City is, um, you know, it's eight point well it was 8.3 million before the pandemic it's lower now but um and what's chicago like two and change or something six and a half oh is it the metro area yeah okay well so it's still it's a lot i mean chicago's crazy right i mean yeah we're gonna have i'm heading up there in a week and a half so why i mean scott you're you lived in chicago you're the cartoonist at the tribune there um why chicago what is it about it uh, do you the, the, do you want the tall weeds answer? Or you want the short one? I can uh, the tall weeds answer. Well, goes on and on, but the, there's so many factors at play here. The South Side, uh, they fought crime by the police, huh, 
uh, fought crime by just saying, you know what, this is a violent neighborhood and we're just going to segregate it there. And, he, and if any of the kids kind of wandered out of that neighborhood, they'd be have the shit kicked out of them and then they'd be thrown back into the neighborhood and say, you stay here. So you had these pockets of extreme violence, um, couple it with the fact that they have a judicial system in Cook County. I'm laughing because to become a judge, you have to graduate from a law school, right, Ted? So in the law school, most of these guys graduated from was pretty much consisted of draw the pirate on the back of the matchbook. <laughs> I, I mean, they're really. And so they refuse to um, uh, enforce the laws as they stand. You know, Chicago did indeed have the heart, the harshest, strongest gun laws in America, but they weren't being enforced. And I can give you some stories. Some, and, but believe me when I tell you. Uh, there are guys who go before judges who have had four or five, six, seven gun charges against them before they ever see the inside of a jail cell. Um, so that those are some of the reasons. I think there's also a cultural, uh, weirdly, a culture. I mean, look at Chicago in the 1920s and the 1930s. It's far worse than this. I mean, they were just gunning down. Gangs were gunning down each other every day. So it's just, I mean, it's vestigial sort of. I, I mean, think there that's was part once, of it. There was once a time when Chicago was kind of the West, right? I mean. Oh, well, yeah. Back in the 1850s. I mean, back in 18, you know, yeah. Well, yeah ish. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've read that it was uh, even in the 19 teens, still kind of rough around the edges. And well, like I said, the 19 teens, we had the race riots of 1919, which were incredibly violent. The death count was crazy. In the hundreds, you had, and again, then you had prohibition. Uh, you know, I think about like, I mean, that's I, what I, happens when you when you amend the Constitution, Ted. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> well, the question is, which time were they wrong? But I mean, it's like you have like, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is though, okay, so you mentioned all those things, right? But it's like, look, there were race riots in New York. Um, you know, there's you can think of plenty of violent cities: New Orleans, uh, Baltimore. It's also, it's also wiped out the entire black community. And LA, San Francisco, those have all at times been violent cities. I mean, what is it about Chicago at this exact point in time that is different from, say, that's worse than, say, New York City, which is in crisis itself? Well, the, the ridiculous. There's more gangs, right? There's Yeah, they had some gangs that are not really a big thing in New York. Is that right? No, they kind of never have been. I really. saw West Side the way, Story. Oh, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, not in the way. It's not like that, though. It's like it's not like L.A. where entire neighborhoods are completely controlled by gangs. You know, it's uh, it's just not like that. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't gangs here. It's just not as much of a factor. Wow, really? Because in Chicago, you know, they broke up. They decided that we're enough of this bullshit. We're going to break up the gangs. And they went after them with a, with a vengeance and were successful way too successful and left this crazy void that has not been filled. So you have gangs, you can have ganglands that are literally half a block, Ted. I mean, it's just, and so you have, that's one of the reasons too, is that you just have this fractured gang landscape and they shoot each other and they're lousy shots, by the way. I mean, at the very well, least, apparently they're too, they're good. They're they, they hit it. They hit their target. Sometimes they hit a target. Oh, right. <laughs> I got you. Their target. Um, right. They don't it's, hit the target. They just hit a thing, a living thing. And so what's happened since. COVID, so what's the solution, Scott? I mean, what would you do? What would you do? Like, you know, like how do, how do you think there's any way to read? I mean, obviously you're never going to eliminate violence among human beings, but how would you, let's just say you're the emperor of the United States. What would you do to, you know? Wow. That's a great, I would go through attrition. I would go through license. I think licensing is a great idea. And I think that that could potentially stand up to constitutional mustard. Maybe not with this court. We're going to find out. We're going to talk about Roe v. Wade a little yeah. later. And uh, this court, we don't know just how batshit crazy it is yet. Um, we're about to find out on gun laws. So could you have a licensing, you know, could you have a licensing program? Without could amending. You, yeah. Under the, under the Constitution as it stands. I don't and think I'm, you, I don't really think you could. To be honest, I don't think, you know, there's the current challenge to the New York City gun control law. And I think it's, it, I think that law is unconstitutional. I've thought that for a long time. I mean, you know, it's like the second amendment is what it is, what it is. It's, it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be amended if we wanna. Well, Chicago you know. had a virtual, <laughs> I know this is laughable given the number of shootings they had on every weekend. Um, 
but Chicago literally had a gun ban. You were not allowed to own a gun inside the city of Chicago. And well, that's effectively true in New York City, too, except well, that, unless you have an exceptional, you have a carry permit, which is right. basically you have to like, you know, give sexual favors to someone to get one. Is that true? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, no, I mean, you have to, you have come to, to <laughs> come to Rudy. You have to know the right people. <laughs> Bill de Blasio. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's weird, you know, come to think of it. We've never had a, a female mayor here. I wonder if we ever will. Uh, but that's a whole oh. different question. Well, what is? That's kind of weird. Why don't you have, why has New York never had one? That's weird. It's not I, like, you know, I don't know. It's not like we don't have like lots of smart, capable women. Oh, I don't think that's, you said it's not like you don't have. <laughs> I'm saying we do have them. Okay, good. That's why I miss. Okay. I'm yeah, sure with I'm these correct. quadruple negatives can get you into trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, all right. Well, so I think we're so. Okay, let me let me turn it on you, Ted. You've written at least in the past. I'm not sure how you feel today, but but in the past, you've written columns in favor of guns and gun ownership, yeah. and saying that you need it as a bulwark against the government and the government, you know, the, the threat of government. You still do. A, do you still believe that? And two, um, okay, you're you are King Ted the Third. I don't know why you were the third, but let's just say that King Ted. What do you do? What do you do? I want to still believe and be a Second Amendment purist, but my thinking has changed a bit. Um, mm. I do think we should have gun ownership uh, as a bulwark against uh, tyranny. However, um, A, I'm not convinced that Americans are capable of, of resisting government tyranny because there's no left, which is a big, broad topic. But the United States does not yeah. have an organized leftist political movement. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, nor has it really ever had one in a hundred years. And then secondly, um, so it's kind of like, well, maybe it, the point is moot. Maybe we just need to mitigate the damage. But I do think it's really important for us to uh, to, to impose licensing. Um, I would, you know, for lack of a better word, I know gun owners don't like the term assault weapons, but I think limitations on uh, the types, on the size of ammunition, the calibers that are shot, mm -hmm. and the number of bullets that can be fired per second, uh, you know, should be uh, imposed uh, based on whatever the political class uh, determines. But there should be a culture of limiting that. I mean, you know, certainly uh, pistols for self-defense and uh, and rifles for hunting. I get. We can talk about other things, but uh, clearly there's way too much big bang bang power in too many hands of too many idiots these days, and that's got to be uh, you know reined in a bit. Would you go in go with the um, Australia model? They had a mass shooting. Someone had an assault weapon in Australia. They went to I believe it was a school, um, killed a lot of kids, and the country just went no more. Fuck you and your guns. We're going to, and they literally went. If you did not hand yours in, they came to your house. There was confiscation. Well, how did they know if you had one? I, who knows? I mean, who knows? I don't know. Okay. Gundar. <laughs> well, so then men with guns break into your house. Oh, wait. <laughs> that was, that's the point. That's the American point. Um, yeah. Boy, I just think it's, and I don't want to say it's hopeless, but it also drives me crazy. And we're going to talk about the left in a little bit as well. But just um, how so many of my left friends are like, they hate guns. They want to get rid of them. Okay, fine. Uh, Million Mom March. I knew someone who who, who helped uh, organize that. And they, I'm saying that's that's super. Marching's nice. You know, it, but, you know, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to change the Constitution. We can't do that. I go, wait, wait, what do you mean you can't do it? The NRA and the money behind it. I go, then you get more money. If you, and they truly believe that, you know, God is on their side and that the will, the will of the people is overwhelmingly in favor of them. And that, so then, you know, then, then go and amend the constitution. Well, there's definitely some laziness going on, uh, some laziness. Are you oh, kidding? I mean, the, the left is completely lazy. I mean, you know, liberals and progressives and, and leftists don't do dick in this country. Um, there's no there hasn't been a sustained protest movement in the United States since the Vietnam War. Um, Remember we when have, they were going to have a protest a month during the Trump administration? Remember right. That? Yeah. yeah. We, we, have, we have an annual pink, pink pussy hat parade yeah. annual. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, oppression is 365 days a year, kids. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I think, uh, you know, since you're laughing, we'll end this segment on an up and uh, we'll come back. What did we say we're talking about next? Oh, yeah. Roe v. Wade and uh, the the, uh, Supreme Court is considering a case that may very well lead to the complete overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, We'll come back in a sec. I'm Ted Rall. I'm here with Scott Stantis. Thanks for sticking with us for a second grueling segment of the DMZ America (laughs) podcast. The U.S. Supreme Court is considering a, uh, is hearing a Mississippi, uh, a case uh, challenging a uh, Mississippi law that effectively bans abortion uh, by keeping it uh, limited to uh, people who basically are uh, pregnant so few weeks that there'd be no way for them to know that they're pregnant, effectively banning Missis- uh, abortion in the state of, of Mississippi. It's uh, the arguments uh, started in the Supreme Court today, right? And uh, yes, yes, they started had oral arguments today. And um, it, it this you know this is we've had lots of uh, close calls for Roe v. Wade in the past, I would say, but this one really seems like. Roe v. Wade has a big fat target on its back with a six to three conservative majority. You only need five. Um, and it's, look, let's face it. Uh, I'm not going to make myself popular here with my uh, left-leaning friends, but Roe v. Wade is a shitty case. It's a very, very, very poorly written piece of, of uh, case law. And it's uh, kind of not, it's kind of, the only thing surprising to me is that it lasted 50 years. Um, I guess the question is here, is it finally going to go? And if so, what happens? I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a really crappy decision. It it found right to privacy, which is not spelled out in the constitution in any way. It's not even implied. No, they just sort of said, well, if you look close enough, squint your eyes. (laughs) Do the hokey pokey because that is what it's all about. Yes. That, so it is bad law. Um, but as this is where I get conflicted personally, Ted, it's just like I because I I do subscribe to the culture of life. I I find abortion abhorrent, especially after a, a certain point of the pregnancy. I think it should be illegal, and it's clearly killing a baby. There's no question about that. Um, but by turns, I also have strong libertarian feelings. I just want the government. I mean, here's the thing: what's the most the most ironic thing of all is the same people who today are standing up saying, you know, we, we have a right to tell a woman what to do with her body are the same people tomorrow will say, you can't tell me to get a vax. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. You, well, there's, there's a lot of, con- there's a lot of contradictions in, uh, in American politics. The same people who are pro-life when it comes to un- unborn children are uh, pro-death when it comes to the death penalty. Yeah. Um, I have this argument all the time. I don't, the death penalty is something we definitely can stop and should stop and you know and i get this argument with my conservative and there's friends. kind of no oh, reason not to because i mean like what's going to happen uh i mean how many how many uh murderers escape from maximum security penitentiaries yeah when does that yet. happen it doesn't happen and the fact is that i mean you could even set up a system that's semi semi-autonomous and self-sustaining similar to devil's island without the you know torture and <laughs> <laughs> not teaching the guys what to do once they get there my point is that, you know, getting back to Roe v. Wade, Roe v. it's bad law. Uh, Judge Thompson, uh, Clarence uh, Thomas, has, has been angling to kill it for years. He's spoken about it. He's written about it. He's not wrong. Well, but by turns, if you believe in the autonomy and, 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 and you know, your body autonomy. As, well, I as, do. I mean, I'm pro-abortion rights, but I think it's time for... Uh, you know, liberal Dem- liberal Republicans, uh, the two of them, and, uh, all, <laughs> and 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 Democrats to get their fucking act together and do what you know a non-Catholic country like Ireland was able to do, pass a federal oh, that's a very law. Catholic country. That's why mean. I said that I was being sarcastic. Um, uh-huh. Like you know that they Sorry. were able. To- <laughs> Sorry, I was so sly. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's that droll wit uh, that comes from five days on uh, azithromycin. But there's, there's no. Um, I don't even understand. I mean, 
why don't we have a federal look democrats they they know they have the they have the support from the voters uh, 60 plus percent of at least 60 plus percent of the american public favors legalized abortion up to the you know, up to the third the third trimester so just legalize it federally end of discussion we don't have abortion rights hinging on this uh you know incredibly flimsy piece of case law um it's, I mean, look, the reason they don't do it, in my opinion, is because both parties love to use it for fundraising. The Democrats yeah. are like, give us money and we'll fight for a woman's right to choose. And Republicans are like, give us money and we'll fight for a man's right to choose what a woman should do. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask and, and, and venture in that same territory that, you know, the cynicism of the issue is that if you gave handed a magic wand to either side, they would never, never wave it because there's too much money. There's too much pow political power. Vested yeah, it's, like, in this it's like, does the cancer society really want to get rid of cancer? Like really? Oh, okay. I'm going to say yes on that one. I'm going to hope so, but you know, I'm not sure. Really 10. Yeah. I'm that cynical. Uh, wow. But certainly, no, I mean, come on, the cynicism on abortion, there's no question. So, I mean, so the question is, okay, so what, what, do, how do you handicap this? If you're like a Vegas odds maker, do you think the court is going, I mean, there's been a lot of signaling on this over the years, and several of the justices have said that they are reluctant to, to overturn Roe v. Wade. Right, right. They don't want to politically because, and they don't want to do it because there's, this, there's this bias that the court has uh, against overturning previous uh, case law, which, by the way, I think is fucking stupid. Um, there's nothing in, in jurisprudence that favors that. Uh, there's no reason for a court to do that. There should be every case should be considered on its own merits. When you when you have a case come up, who gives a shit like how it was judged previously? But that's what they do. And then also, um, there's also the, the, uh, the, 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 the question of, um, you know, uh, the politics, they know that if they do it, they're going to be perceived as a, as the right wing court that they are, and they don't want to be Roberts doesn't want that. Well, and the other issue, the other, and now we're getting into all weeds, but I don't care. Uh, stare uh, decisis and, and rule of right. common law, which is the, you know, so is that you build on precedent and now, let's say you are a Supreme Court justice of which your, your voice is golden. You are the voice of God. Now, all of a sudden, if you go against Roe v. Wade, you are going against that precedent and striking it down. A pretty an obviously high profile one. Maybe the highest of all. If you are. Yeah, well, certainly in the public's mind, it is. If you're you know, a justice on the Supreme Court, do you really want to say, you know what, I, if we hit if we strike this down, then my golden rules of uh, from on high can be struck down at any moment. And then it's helter. so there's a weird kind of ego involved in the, how this decision is going to come down. If I had to guess, they're going to nibble away at the edges. It will probably go back to the states. Uh, and by that, I mean that they're going to structure it in a way saying, hey, states here, you can you can decide what you want to do with abortion up to these limits. Oh, oh, oh. So you mean some kind of like uh, bastard creation by committee. So it's kind of yes. like so, for example, abortion might be Roe v. Wade stands up till X number of weeks and then beyond that, yeah. that the yes. states can decide. Right. That's, I could see that happening. Yeah. I mean, my I, the Roberts court, the Roberts course is also traditionally and the, started with the Rehnquist court, frankly, which was they kind of did these mamby pamby real niche decisions on big issues. Mm. You know, it could be the right to bear arms. Well, we think that you should polish the stock. And you can have a 38, but not a 357. Yeah, it's just a weird. And so the, the Roberts court has kind of followed that same that same direction. I'm wondering if they don't do that here as well. And there's some well, kind of niggling little thing where they can get five votes. I think you're, look, I think you, have, look, there's a strong chance that's possible. And I don't have a, you know, I often have like, look, this is what's going to happen kind of thing. <laughs> I don't have that here, but I don't know. Part of me is just saying, there, there's this like, 
little man inside me who, that's telling me it's toast this time. What happens if that happens? Let's say the decision comes down, you know, six to three, the court rules that Roe v. Wade is stupid, you know, is a stupid, um, you know, stupid law, stupid precedent. It doesn't stand. Uh, now all abortion cases and rules go back to the states. Yep. Well, so here's what, you know, one would, from my point of view, like to have happen, which is uh, the streets are full of very angry women and their angry male friends. Uh, and all sorts of hell is raised and Congress convenes and they, and they pass a federal law legalizing abortion. But in reality, this is the United States. There yeah. will be one angry march on a Saturday or a Sunday when it's convenient in Washington <laughs> on the Washington Mall, because God forbid we should take a day off work for revolution. And then, uh, you know, everyone will go back home. And ultimately, look, I hate to say it, all the bourgeois white women who need an abortion are still going to be able to get one. And even if they live in fucking Texas, they can drive, they can fly to California or wherever and get one. Um, and uh, the only people who aren't going to be able to get abortions who live in, uh, you know, the, the shithole states, to paraphrase uh, Donald Trump, is going to be, um, they're going to be, uh, and sorry, Scott, because <laughs> you do live in Alabama, um, which is, if there is a shithole state, it would be Alabama. Hey, would be hey, hey, no, that's Mississippi. Um, yeah, you guys are very different. Um, so anyway, <laughs> but the point is, those who live in the conservative states, let's just say, um, uh, yeah, so it's going to be poor people, it's going to be p women of color, it's going to be uh, people who live in rural areas, and no one gives a shit about them now, and no one's going to give a shit about them then, and I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't think the state of affairs will change. I do not think this will light a fire are the Democrats asked to federalize this? I don't. It should, but it won't, because that's how dysfunctional this country is. I, I couldn't agree more. I really can't. I mean, seeing, like I said, if, if Donald Trump couldn't motivate people to march once a month, which is really not asking that much. They can do it on weekends. Yes, they did. They don't do have to work. Do you remember the first one was on a Saturday? Yep. Convenient. The Women's March. Yeah. And by the way, you know, it's really hilarious to go to Washington and march around and to yell at legislators who, who, you know, aren't there. They're not in their offices. They're at their homes in the suburbs. <laughs> I mean, like you're yelling at no one except yourselves when you go on the weekend. If you really wanted to raise hell, you'd march through the streets without a permit and jam up traffic and be and be loud outside legislators offices but you're not me and man you couldn't be you could not be kinder and gentler to the oppressors damn it ted revolution is hard yeah you have to take time off sometimes it's inconvenient yeah expensive <laughs> yeah, you have to pay the you know the hotels are a little more are a little pricier during the week you don't get the saturday that's the saturday layover on your three-day <laughs> advance ticket purchase <laughs> I mean, i'm sorry the left in this country, what a bunch of assholes. And I include myself in that. I mean, well, that's actually, that's an issue. Can we uh, talk about that this next segment? Yeah. All right. All right. So that's it for this segment. Coming back in a sec. Uh, Ted Rall here with Scott Stannis. Be right back. Segment three of the DMZ America podcast is upon you. I'm here with. Scott Standis from the right, and, and... And I'm here with myself, Ted Rall, from the left. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we, you suggested at the end of the last segment, so many, so many long seconds ago, that we um, talk about... The left and how fucked up it is and how it gets, it's, it's impotent. It is a limp, useless penis on the... It is in the flaccid, lap of democracy. It is a flaccid... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the worthless, <laughs> just piece of, it is the Yugo of political movements. What uh, the hell, Ted? I mean, you write about this a lot. And obviously coming from the right, I'm going to be saying, you nah, nah, you can't get your socialist bullshit through. Um, but you're right. Where the fuck are they, Ted? What's going on? 
Well, it, so, I mean, look, there's a lot of, pro, there's, it's a, I would say it's beyond a perfect storm. It's a cultural storm. I mean, look, going, there's, there's America's from the very beginning, our cultural of rugged individualism, Old West, John Wayne, um, you know, that's always been kind of like goes counter to the communitarian impulse of socialism and communism and Marxism. Uh, there's also uh, been a ruthless campaign of suppression uh, on the, you know, going back to the 1920s, the Palmer raids, McCarthyism in the 1950s, the neo red scare in the 1970s and 80s, and even the way the Democratic Party uh, cries, you know, havoc uh, at Bernie Sanders in 2016, 2020. Yeah, when really, yeah. the only thing socialist about him is the phrase democratic socialist, but really he's just a McGovern style liberal. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, but the, I think ultimately what's interesting is that about 37 to 40% of Americans have consistently told the Gallup poll that they self-identify as socialists. Now, despite everything, despite everything. So there's obviously an impulse out there. Bernie Sanders, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, Occupy Wall Street shows that there's a hunger out there for something new, something left, something different. But uh, there's never a left-wing organization, a political party, on you know like the, like all other Western democracies have like in France there's the uh, French Communist Party in Italy there's the French there's the Italian Communist Party in French elections there's like probably a, right now about six real Marxist Marxist Leninist or Maoist parties on the ballot um, we just don't have that here I know ballot access is a major problem but we don't do grassroots organizing I don't understand why I can tell you that it's happening. I don't know why we just can't fucking get organized. Is it because it's, I mean, I, I let me you know, be really honest here. Is it because there are a bunch of limousine liberals who are lazy and won't go out and organize the people who are ripe to be organized? And I, let's say you're from Dayton, Ohio. I mean, you've seen what happened to the Rust Belt and how that got totally rogered uh, in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, why 40, aren't- 50, 60. Okay. Why aren't progressives there unionize, working with unions and going forward? What unions? Like 9% of Americans belong to a union. That's part of the problem too, is that, you know, communists used to live within the, within the union struggle. And of course, obviously the AFL-CIO pushed out all the socialists, right? That was a big part of the problem. Um, You know, the, I mean, the left has just, I mean, God knows we're out there. You know, we're out there, but we're atomized and we're not organized and we don't have leadership and we don't have we don't have a party. And um, at some point it boils down to someone's going to have to start it. And until that happens, and then once they start it, it has to be credible enough for people to want to sign up because, man, we're a bunch of like beaten dogs, you know, to be an American leftist is like, you know, you just you don't you're a man without a country or a woman without a country or an intersex person without a country. You just don't have any, you you got nothing. But I'm going to sound, I mean, you're going to, you're sounding like, I'm going to be harsher. You're sounding like a millennial. You're saying like, I, we haven't won. We can't win. It's not, no one's handed this to me. Well, fuck you. No one, you don't deserve it. You go out and you, no, you're right. Take it. No, I mean, I don't mean like, I think that the attitude is like when people, people need a win, you know? And I think that like, um, the last time uh, the left got some wins was in the 60s, you know, with the, you know, look, the, 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 the liberation struggles of, of, you know, the gender struggles, the, the civil rights movement, uh, the LGBT movement, um, they won a lot of victories. Um, the problem is that those all got channeled into the dead end of identity politics and class consciousness has been completely abandoned and forgotten. But so, it's class and it's you, you just hit it. It's class. I mean, I'm, I'm going to sound like a couple of Marxists. I don't understand how there's not an uprising. I mean, I, I, I don't. And this is coming from someone who would not like it and would not fare well <laughs> during it. But it's, it's, this isn't social. This isn't, um, like you said, it's not trans issues. It's not gay issues. It's not, it, it's, it's not women's issues. It's, not, it's, it's economic issues. And this is where people who are at the ass end of the economic 
structure and construct of this country are getting fucked harder and harder every day. And the no, and the progressives aren't f- approaching them saying, we want you with us. You know who is? Uh, right, hard right wing Trump type politicians and politics. And that's what's happening here in America. And I don't get it as a student of history, as you are. Yeah. The progressives should be going into Dayton, should be going into Scranton, should be going into uh, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, all those places where factories are now fa- laying fallow and, and the workers are there. And, you know, when you have a, literally a meth based drowning, economy, yeah, drowning in opioids. Yeah. yeah, you go in there and you say, you are, look, this has to stop. And the only way this is going to stop is not by, you know, empowering the super wealthy. It's not, no, that's that's not, not going to help. Yeah. What's going to help is if you rise up and take control now. I mean, well, again, I think, that, I think I think a Marxist, I think Marx would say that America, that the American left is not quite well, that the, that the proletariat is not desperate enough. They're not hungry enough. I mean, you know, they're miserable and they're suffering, but they're not really starving to death. And it's true that uh, we have a lot of hidden homelessness, couch surfing and so on. But we don't have the kind, you know, our understanding of poverty is not the way poverty was 250 years ago uh, when Marx was coming of age. I mean, it's, you know, uh, it, the where you literally are going, you are not going to have enough caloric intake for your body to continue to function. And you are just going to die on the sidewalk. That doesn't happen much here. And I don't know. I think it, it might, it might take that. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, you know, I took a recent, I've mentioned this before, recent long, really long road trip with my wife recently. We, we ended up uh, spending uh, the afternoon and evening in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, Janine saw a photo. It looked charming. Uh, let me just say, uh, what, for the record, was this photo from 1926 or? It was, no, it was from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> it was from, it was from Planet Claire. I knew she came from there. What? No, it was. It actually looked like a charming city. I've got to tell you, Ted, it was uh, certainly not. Uh, people living there are either unemployed or underemployed. Uh, how are they not pissed off? Now, the only thing I can figure is like you've, you've touched on it. There's safety net enough. Barely. Barely, but enough. So people aren't starving. Um, they're not homeless. They live in, you know, you know 120 year old homes. And to or they live out. in their cars. Yeah. So they're, or if they're or if they're their ex-wives or whatever. Yeah. So is that it? I mean, is that is that that the safety net is just enough to preclude revolution? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's been the observation about the climate crisis that human beings tend not to really uh, say work to save themselves until they're really about to to go under. Or, or you know, if you think about like cats, like in the wild like tigers and so on, cheetahs, they don't hunt until they're really hungry. Like if they've eaten something fairly recently, they just sit around. And it's like once they're really, really hungry, that's when they get serious. And they don't just take a passing shot at a gazelle. They go gangbusters. I mean, so it might just be that same thing that like until uh, the American people are so fucking desperate that they have no choice because it's that or death that they're just going to let it go. I mean, certainly historically, I mean, that's been usually the case with the great revolutions of our time with, you know, China, Russia, uh, France, and so on. Okay. So, well, I mean, I, like I said, it's, this is people are going to listen to this and go, what the, f- what? <laughs> <laughs> what? What's why, wrong with them? Why, why are they is, talking about this? Perfect. Why are they not telling us more about Roe v. Wade? <laughs> because or no, Biden's think, or Biden's popularity or lack there. Well, let's talk about Biden for a moment because that's part of the problem as I see it. I'm on your side, Ted. I think that the Democratic Party needs to have they have effectively expelled the progressive wing of the party. They they fucked over Bernie in ruthlessly. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they they farmed him out and gave him some really nice uh, committee sinecures, and you know. They, yeah, you know, they're scratching him behind his ears. And it's like, all right, all right, Bernie, go gently into that good night. And, you know, that's what he's doing. Yeah, unapologetically just kicked him out and just uh, and kicked out the progressives, which, you know, so, I mean. Thanks for your vote. Get the fuck out. Yeah, just that's all they want. They vote. Once they get that, 
screw you. We're going to ignore you for another two to four years. Uh, the public trust on COVID, uh, on uh, the Biden administration's handling of the COVID crisis crisis is plummeting. And they also have what, who was that? It was at the New York Times. So he has a young voter problem. That's Politico. How, how is he not down with the kids? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> we just talked about Bernie. Um, you know, Bernie is down with the kids and uh, not a problem at all. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because I think it's more accurate to say that the Democratic Party has a young voter problem. Uh, Joe Biden is a symptom of the problem. Um, you know, the because the, obviously young people liked Bernie and they, they would have voted for him if he'd been on the ballot. You know, now it is true that they didn't turn up for him in the primaries and young people have always been challenging to get them to register and show up at the polls. Um, you know, always has been, always will be. But uh, I think, you know, the real issue here is beyond age. That This president is not exuding leadership or competence or strength. And the, the American people, that's what they look for. You know, and the Democrats keep thinking, well, as soon as we pass big build back better, you know, whenever, like in 2026, then it's going to be like, uh, you know, thank you, Joe Manchin. It's, you know, then everyone will love it. But I don't think that's true. I think even if Build Back Better had passed in its entirety $3.5 trillion, which ain't going to happen, um, it, the policy is not what people are about. They see a dude, we don't have a president. They see a guy who goes on, who, who's like Max Headroom. He goes on the air. <laughs> he reads sometimes. He looks confused while he's reading. He can't conduct a normal press conference with the back and forth that's expected with the White House press corps. Um, and they, they, they know that. And then the, the, the incompetence of the Afghanistan withdrawal, even the inability, you know, the bad messaging on Build Back Better, like, oh, it's going to be really huge. Well, less huge, uh, half huge, uh, third huge, maybe not anything <laughs> huge, maybe small, maybe yeah. never, maybe nothing. Um, that's a form of incompetence, right? That messaging, that your inability to even brag about yourself and what you're doing. Um, that's what people are turning against. Um, they're finding it loathsome. Um, and I think Donald Trump, you know, I, I just checked this, Vegas odds makers have Trump as a runaway favorite for 2024. Is that right? They do. Yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't I, mean that they're always right, but you know, they are, their money is where their mouth is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally in this instance. Yeah. I, I, I can believe that I can see, I mean, I don't see any um, wavering in the support of Donald Trump in the Republican party. I mean, they still, he, cert he certainly exudes strength. I mean, you know, the strength of stupidity, but yeah. strength. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> He's not, he doesn't, I mean, you know, whatever else he is, he doesn't come off as weak. No, and that's, all, well, in fact, that's always been his shtick, right? Is that he's a strong, virile man. Me strong man. Take on porn star. Um, kind of. <laughs> no, me, I mean, a, me use anti-slap law against porn star. <laughs> Did he? Oh my God! Yeah, he used he uses the anti-slap law like the day is long. He used it against Stormy Daniels. She owes him over a hundred thousand dollars in his legal fees. Uh, he used the anti-slap law against uh, this former contestant on The Apprentice who said that he groped her, um, and uh, he used the anti-slap against her and forced her to withdraw her lawsuit. Man, he that anti-slap law is really helping poor, downtrodden individuals like Donald Trump. <laughs> well let's face it he's not really a billionaire so he needs some protections right that's that's a fair point yeah yeah poor guy Aww. so yeah so i mean uh you know i guess the thing is um so one thing that i was uh i'm i'm, I'm pitching to the wall street journal i haven't heard back yet is a piece about i think that i think the democrats need to quit playing cute about um scott about you know, whether Biden's going to run again, you know, in, during the campaign, he told insiders that he was only going to be a one term president, transitional figure like Pope Benedict uh, was not going to serve a long time. And and then uh, earlier this year, he was also still telling insiders that he was only going to serve one term. Now the official word is I'm running for reelection. Now, yeah. Scott, he's not running for reelection. Oh, why not? 
he'll be 82 fucking years old. I mean, he's, he's look at how he is right now at 79. How many guys or women who are in his state mentally and physically at the age of 79 rally at 80 and 81 <laughs> and suddenly, suddenly become like recoup their youth, their lost youth. And at 82, I mean, in think about it, Scott, at, in, in 2024, he has to simultaneously uh, go to campaign appearances, uh, give tons of interviews, do presidential debates, and run the country all at the same time. Really? He didn't do that in 2020. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he no, didn't. I, you and I, and I talked to you about that then. I said, you know what's weird, Ted? He yeah. can't get away with it this time, though. He'll be running against Donald Trump. Well, he was running against him in 20. I know, but he, he, he can't. There's just no way this time. Like pandemic has, is pandemic will be considered either over or like an ongoing thing that we live with. You know, his, a friend of mine had a great line about the 16 election. I mean, 20 election. He said Donald Trump ran unopposed and he lost. That's true. Although um, he still did much better than than people than Democrats like to admit. Yeah. Um, Joe, but Joe Biden was and if, let's let's refresh some memories here, though it's been a year and a half or two years ago. Joe Biden only had usually had one event a day, one campaign event a day. One, right. uno, uh, carefully right? scripted. Yeah, that was it. He didn't take questions from the press. He it was, and, and he still doesn't. I mean, I know he can't. No, he, he can't. can't. And he just won't give a press conference, like a you know, like a real back and forth answering the questions press conference. And so who's going to be the heir apparent? Is it Kamala Harris? She's dreadful. She's proven herself that she's just not up to the job. So is it going to be Pete Buttigieg? I mean, I mean, you know, I can you imagine? So. I don't believe so. Or if it is, he'll 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 go down in flames. Oh, could you imagine? Is America ready for a president with a you know a male president with a husband? I'm well, he'll be that. he'll be bringing in that that crucial uh, dork vote that uh, we, that has always decided elections. No, I mean, seriously, Scott, I think it's, I'm not kidding. I think the Democratic Party, they need to quit bullshitting. They need to say, admit now, look, Joe Biden, what, like, like basically the American people know they're being lied to here. They know that the Democratic Party does not intend to run Joe Biden. And like when someone's lying to you and you know they're lying to you, you don't like it. And it's like, uh, you know, I think they should just give it up admit it that he's not running again. And I know, look, this turns him into a lame duck. He's a lame duck anyway. And I know it hurts them in the midterms. They're going to get shellacked anyway. Um, the only thing he needs to do is get Build Back Better passed in some form because he has no legislative future beyond that. So if I were him, ram some form of BBB through, announce that you're not going to run again. And th- here's, the, here's the real takeaway, Scott. And you tell me, you tell me if I'm wrong or where I'm wrong. Like, if the Democrats announce this, it throws the field wide open for, th- for the next two years. That gives donors and potential candidates time to rev up and get ready and become battle hardened and then have a broad field, vigorous debate. And whoever comes out of the Democratic primary process is, is, has been uh, hardened by battle to go against the Republican nominee, whoever he is. Um, it's going to be Donald Trump. It'll probably be Trump. And well, I don't think there's any probably about it. Well, if really he's don't. alive, if he's alive, it'll be Trump. But he's, yeah. a, you know, he's a he's a fat dude. He could he could drop any second. Yeah, he's a blubbery old dude. Um, he is. But he I'm is, just saying, right. like he could. So I'm just saying that, like, so tell me where I'm wrong. I mean, I think it's like important at this point. If you're a strong potential Democratic candidate, do you really want to risk taking on? Like, you think, well, Biden might run. Like, do you want to take, you don't want to offend the party. You don't want to offend a sitting president and you, you don't even want to take the chance of losing and the donors don't want to waste money. So you don't present yourself. You sit this one out. I don't think this is good for the party. No, look what happened in 76. Look what happened in 80 Uh, on the Republican side. Reagan uh, opposes a sitting president and Jerry Ford, 1980. uh, 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 Teddy Kennedy opposes Jimmy Carter in the primaries. It destroyed Both both of them. Yeah. It just, and, and destroyed their chances at winning, frankly. Well, that's the point. Yeah. And so, you know, I think where you're wrong, I think if he, if he, President Biden, comes forward today or any time before the election, uh, the midterms, and says, I'm, I'm not going to run again, that's a sign of incredible weakness, and the Republicans will win even bigger. My prediction for the 22 midterms is that the Republicans are going to win pretty, pretty friggin' big. 
They will. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. But Biden, after that, he could say, I would still say, give it another year. Can you imagine? Well, wait, but Scott, if you give it another year, I mean, you're pushing like fall of 2023. There's primaries then. And I'm, and I'm telling you that the ego of someone who's run for president finally achieved it and then stepping away from it. You're, that's a big ask, Ted. That's huge. And well, I don't, I don't know if Joe Biden really has enough. Uh, you know, brain cells to rub together at this stage to have an ego to worry about. Well, he does. I think if, if he, if maybe that's all he has left. Um, but I think you, yeah, you step, you say, and I think he has to anoint a successor. Um, well, that's, know, because, that's best. Yeah. But who's, you know, the cop person, he's although he's to, not powerful. He, yeah. Who's he going to, he's, yeah. Who's he going to anoint? Who? Yeah. Schumer? Uh-huh. No, not Kamala. I mean, she, he doesn't even like her. And besides which, her approval rating is the lowest of any vice president at this stage in since the history of polling. That's amazing. Isn't that I mean, amazing? She's literally less popular than Dick Cheney was, you know, who was considered the devil. <laughs> yeah, she, she polls worse than the devil. Um, I don't know. I, I also don't know enough about the Democratic bench to know who could come. I mean, people are saying it was Cuomo before he got caught being, you know, Cuomo. Um, and Newsom from California, who I think would be a terrible national candidate. Yeah, he was. They did talk about him. Um, he was a pretty boy. Uh, and then he kind of like isn't suddenly. And yeah, he's and there's this there's the rot of corruption. Uh, you know, he's kind of there's there's some kind of Cuomo like shit going on with him. We don't know what yet, but, you know, I can you can sort of smell it on a candidate. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, like, I, I don't think like I don't think Schumer is corrupt, for example. Yeah, um, but Schumer has. Too I'm not much saying he can be president. I'm just saying I don't. He, but you know what? Newsom, something's up. How old is Schumer too? I mean, that guy is not young anymore. No, um, and uh, yeah, and he's New York. It's kind of like an uphill battle for New Yorkers. Um, you know, he's it, Jewish. Yeah. That's a that's a problem for a lot of Americans. I don't know. He's old too. Yeah. I mean, anyway, I don't think he. That's not his path. He doesn't seem to want to be president. No, you have to want it bad. And I'm not sure. I, do you, I mean, does someone come out of nowhere and win that election? You know, I mean. Well, and, they could if, if Biden drops out. If Biden drops out, it opens up all sorts of paths for some, you know, heretofore previously unthought of, you know, tech CEO uh, type person that nobody's thinking about right now. Um, you know, someone or, or a celebrity or some governor no one's thinking about. I mean, it's just, all I'm saying is it opens up the field. Kamala Harris doesn't dominate this field. If Biden steps out, Kamala Harris is not going to intimidate anybody from running. No, she. I mean, in fact, on the contrary, they, she would embolden people. And you said celebrity. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, come on. You know, that never. Oh, that- shit. I guess I guess it did. Um <laughs> Well, it happened all the time in the 19th century. I mean, all those generals. That's different. I think being a military. Like Lewis Cass, man. Oh, God. Drippy. <laughs> God. He literally, if you haven't looked up his picture yet, folks, from listening to this podcast, look up Lewis Cass. <laughs> Which can only look better than his face. <laughs> God. Ted. Oh my Fine. God, he, he was so foul. He was. Oh my so God! Foul. Oh, he's got the he's got the cloudy eyes, and he's got yeah. he looks like his face is melting. It's good, yeah. He's kind of warty. It's it's great. It's just <laughs> yeah. He's like that scene in RoboCop where the guy comes out of the acid vat. Bro, <laughs> I sounded like that too. Anyway, so okay, we're wrapping this one up. I think yeah. I think after I. Uh, Sort of went a little too far there. Yes, a little. Uh, I, might, I might, I might, zip that out in the editing. You know, that could happen. Um, I think I will. Yeah. Okay. So okay, if you good. hear this, you're not even going to know what you missed. Okay. Oh well. Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, so Scott, why don't you tell all the good people at home and in their cars and on the space shuttle where they can find all things Scott Stantis? Well, you can go to uh, gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis, one word, or gocomics.com slash Prickly City. I'm on all the social medias, the face, the book of faces, the Twitters, the Instagrams, all that stuff at Scott Stantis. Uh, and uh, also, oh, wait, there's a subscription-based 
business called Counterpoint that has some of the best cartoonists in America working for it. Two of them are talking to you right now, me and Ted Rawl. So check that out as well. And Ted, where can we find you? Well, you can find me on my website, R-A-L-L.com, Rawl.com. There's also a new book, uh, The Stringer, which is my new graphic novel uh, about journalism, love letter to journalism. There's also uh, whowhatwhy.org, runs my cartoons on Saturdays, Sputnik News on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And you can find me on Counterpoint also alongside Scott Stantis of the Chicago Tribune. Thanks everyone for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to tweet at us. You can tweet at Scott at Scott Stantis. Uh, You can tweet at me at Ted Rall. And we will catch you next time and have a good day. Goodbye.